Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast where we look back on the cartoons, movies, TV show, and whatnot of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I am Sean. And I'm Chris. And this is Childhood Remastered. What kid hasn't imagined themselves as Indiana Jones? Crossing treacherous rivers in search of treasure? Delving into a long-forgotten temple deep in the jungles of South America to find some sacred idol or precious totem? Solving riddles and pitting your wits against ancient traps and cursed magics? Well, Nickelodeon found the answer to all those questions back in 1993 when they created a game show that would turn teams of adventurers into modern-day Doc Savages sending them to faraway places like the Pit of Despair and the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, all under the watchful eye of Olmec. That show was Legends of the Hidden Temple. Legends of the Hidden Temple With your guide Legends of the Hidden Temple. It was a long time coming, and we're finally here. Man, this is a personal request of mine. I, you know, and, and it's kind of a personal request of mine. So let's start with you. What do you remember about this show? This was a show that I would race home from school to watch after school. Had to watch it after school. And I don't know if that was in the syndication later or if that was in its original run. I honestly don't remember what time of the day it played. I don't either. And I can't find any information about what time of the day that it played. I want to say it was an afternoon show. I feel like it, it was, was an like afternoon an afternoon show. after school show. Like later in the afternoon, like four something. Yeah. Yeah. And I I had I was compelled to watch the show. And I loved this show. It was it was so remembering back through my mind's eye, it was everything that I wanted from all the shows that we've already covered and several others, but all just the best parts. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, crazy sets. You had the opportunity to get messy and get crazy. There was obstacle courses. There was cool prizes. There was questioning and answering. There was literally everything. The only thing it didn't have was video games, but it also felt like one big giant video game. And I love the show. I'd watch it with my brother, watch it with my parents. And I I would go back and watch the reruns when they'd play le- several years later. And to the point, just we're recording at my house today in my in my bedroom. Hold on just a second. <laughs> You've got your red Jaguar shirt. I do have my red Jaguar shirt. <laughs> I do. I have my Red Jaguar shirt, and it was a gift several years ago, and I legitimately wear it without ironicism. <laughs> I loved this show as a kid, so I was really excited to get to do this episode, but I was also really nervous because it's I hard. worried... It's hard when, I when worried a show that you love. that it wasn't going to be any good, because it happens all the time. Yeah. What about you? I, I'm similar. Same same deal. Uh, I loved this show when I was younger. I would definitely come home and be excited to watch it. Uh, the same thing with you. It was it was a show that 
So in a lot of the other shows that we were talking about, the game shows that Nickelodeon had, Double Dare and Nick Arcade and Guts, they're all sort of game shows. They weren't shows that I was particularly in love with. You know, they were shows that I watched because they were on. This was totally different. This was a show, like you said, that I looked forward to. It had a, it was a lot of fun. The whole thing, the whole show seemed fun. Like you said, there's so many different parts, so many different things that involve like big groups of kids. I think it was six teams that 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 started and then it was winnowed down to one team that got to enter the temple. So you had questions and answers, you had trivia, you had physical challenges, you had um, a, a, a temple maze thing that they had to run through. You had all these different things that they had to do to, to participate in the game. It was just, it seemed like it was so much fun. It seemed like everyone was having that everyone was having a lot of fun doing it. And it was really the only show I think out of all of them that I can really truly say that I wanted to be on. I wanted to be on Legends of the Hidden Temple. I enjoyed Double Dare. I didn't necessarily want to be on Double Dare, but I enjoyed it. I didn't necessarily yeah. want to be on Guts, but I, I enjoyed the show. I definitely did not want to be, or no, I did. I did want to be on, uh, on Nick Arcade, but the, it wasn't nearly you as strong. You were passionate about it. Yeah, I wasn't passionate about it. I really wanted to be on Legends of the Hidden Temple. It was just like the whole concept for the show was so unique and so fun. And like I said, they, they did a really good job. I remember enjoying it. I remember them doing a really good job, at least, you know, in, in Child Sean's eyes of, of making it seem appealing to kids, making it fun and... As a kid, man, I loved this show. And I don't think that we're alone in that. I think that there is a large amount of people around our age who have a very fond memory of this show. That this is this is a show that when you talk about old shows, when you talk about Nickelodeon from our youth, people will bring up Legends of the Hidden Temple. My sister is six years younger than me, five and a half years younger than me. And she knows about Legends of the Hidden Temple. She knows about the Silver Snakes and the Blue Barracudas and the Purple Parrots and the Red Jaguars and the Green Monkeys and the Blue Hearts, Purple Horseshoes, Rainbows and Red Balloons. So it's it's something <laughs> it's something that's basic. It, it's kind of like cross-generational how popular this show was. And uh, it, it speaks to how well they put it together. So we should say maybe what this show is. Yeah, if you're one of the three people out there that don't know what Legends of the Hidden Temple Especially is. Especially those of you listening to this show, I feel like you're probably in our wheelhouse. You should know. But yeah. if you don't, that's okay. No judgment. This was an American action adventure TV game show on Nickelodeon. Thank you, Wikipedia. I know, right? <laughs> I love these weird descriptions. It was broadcast from 1993 until 1995 for a total of 120 episodes. So, by the way, perfect demo. We were 10 to 12 when the show was on. We were the perfect demographic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And in 120 episodes of this show, there were only 32 teams that actually won the Temple Run. We can get into how difficult it may or may not have been later. Only a 27, 26-27% success rate. Yeah. <laughs> so a quarter of the time, the teams won. So the premise, if you weren't listening to Sean earlier, is there were six teams of two kids competing in physical obstacle courses and questions uh, that they were trying to compete to get a spot at the final round which was a temple run, like mm -hmm. a big maze run. And 
I didn't put this in the notes, but I wanted to mention it because I thought it was something that was maybe kind of... I thought it was something that was maybe worth mentioning. So there was a children's game show that aired from 1988 until 1991 with 375 episodes over three seasons. That's a lot. It's a lot. And the show was called Fun House. And if you don't remember it, uh, that's okay. But some of us do. I definitely remembered it. And the reason why I wanted to mention it is because I felt like it was the sort of spiritual precursor to this show because it had sort of question and answering segments like Double Dare Mm -hmm. and then physical challenges sort of in the vein of Guts Mm -hmm. and this show combined and then a giant obstacle course like Hidden Temple that was less like the Double Dare thing. Uh, I'm just going to show a picture of it here really quickly for Sean to look at. Oh yeah, yeah. It looks it looks like they might have it looks like they might have just taken the whole temple concept straight from that show. Yeah, well, and and Finders Keepers, if you remember, Finders Keepers had a set that was a lot like Hidden Temple, but it was like a big house. I remember Finders Keepers. Right. So Finders Keepers was a show that was broadcast in 1991. And so another spiritual uh, sort of precursor to this show. Yeah. uh, Where it was instead of a big temple, it was a house. So, you know, 10 to 12 year old me at the time that Hidden Temple was out thought that this was a brand new idea. Oh, yeah. But I forgot about the earlier shows that I (laughs) definitely totally watched when they were on. But it was like... I didn't really connect the two until I was putting together the notes for the show. And I was like, oh my God, this is basically a, an amalgamation of somebody else's idea. I thought it was like completely original. Now, the jungle thing, super original. But outside of that, the premises, it's a copy and paste from other things. They just did it really well here. Yeah, they did. Uh, the show itself was created by a couple people. It was created by David G. Stanley, who was a producer for Children of the Corn 2, surprisingly. The Mole, Oblivious, and the 2003 TV adaptation of Fame. Scott, a stone producer of Brain Surge, Paradise Run, and literally dozens of other projects that I decided I took an executive motion and omitted it. And Funhouse, we can mention it, because the other creator is Stefan Brown. That's how I kind of got down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So he worked on Funhouse and Shop Till You Drop and and the Newlywed Game. You know what I think is interesting about these, uh, these creators is that in all the other shows that we did in this in this uh, Nickelodeon run, this this you know early '90s game show, uh, you know children's thing, game show, children's game show uh, run that we've been doing, I if I'm not mistaken, all of the creators of the other shows have either been in-house Nickelodeon people who have created the shows, or people who have only done like one type of show. And I think it's interesting and maybe speaks to how this show was so well received and so popular and so well remembered by so many people is that they have a very, a varied group of people that created this. You have one person who created or worked worked on on movies. He worked on movies, another one that worked on game shows, and then another one that's just done a bunch of other stuff. So you've got a good, you've got a good amount of, of like, 
ideas that came together and made this like a kids Indiana Jones game show type thing that was both entertaining and fun to watch and fun to participate in. I'm glad to, I'm glad that you mentioned Indiana Jones because the host of the show actually equated this show to a sort of Indiana Jones-esque adventure for kids. Well, it, it, to me, it's it's almost... You almost can't take it apart because uh, part of the part of the show relates to the beginning of Raiders, where he's in that temple, and he, you know, the one where the rock, cha- the the boulder chases him right. out. That very beginning part, and then you can also relate it to Temple of Doom. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on yeah. in Indiana Jones. That well, well, and, and actually, you can even relate it to the last Indiana Jones too, when he goes through the uh, when he goes. Through the, the the temple at the end, and he has to do all the trials. Well, I was thinking of when they're in when they're in the jungle trying to get onto the plane, and they're pulling themselves across the rope. Yeah, that's Heads the beginning. The moat cross. Yeah, that's yeah, the, that's the beginning part of uh, of Raiders. Right. So it, it is it, it is interesting. I don't, I don't know if it was an intentional homage or accidental. I would imagine it was intentional, but. But I think it's kind of cool that it's in there. As somebody who's like a big fan of those uh, first three Indi- uh, first three Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, when did when did Last Crusade come out? What was that? 89, 88? It's like ninety one or something like that. I, I don't off the top of my head. I can't remember. But the directors for this: Charles Siep, season one. He also worked on America's Funniest Home Videos and Dancing with the Stars. And Glenn Weiss, who directed seasons two and three. He actually holds eleven Emmys, has directed sixteen Tony Awards, and three Oscars. Uh, the the shows not you know movies so, so we got some talented people and yes like what and that's really the only crew that we're going to go into but what we see here because just like any other Nickelodeon show there's a billion producers and there's a billion writers and, and it's a billion the, crew people and it, it's who not double as other who's yeah. double as temple guards by the way but but it's I think it's I think it's important to note that we have talented people who are working on this show and I, I think. We've talked about perfect storms of, of bad and good, and yeah, perfect storms of bad and perfect storms of good. And I think this is absolutely an example of a perfect storm of a great show. You had all the right people, all the right things, all the right everything that came together that that turned into a show that was just good. I'm belying my review at the end, but I think this. No, the, I don't think there's going to be. I don't yeah. think the the listeners here are going to question whether we like this show or not. Yeah. Uh, spoiler this spoiler alert we do <laughs> you son of a bitch you ruined the episode yeah uh there's theme music so um, two people composed the theme music david g stanley and scott a stone who was credited by the way on air as quote the music machine and we actually named the two of them already so we're not really going to get into them again so yeah those were those were two of, yeah the, by the way those were two of the creators so yes. the two of the creators Wrote the wrote the music for the show, which uh, by the way isn't a lot of music. It was just sort of like jungle noise and, and yeah. sounds, and then Olmec comes in. Yeah, you know what you know what that music actually reminds me of is have you, you played Chrono Trigger, right? Yeah. Okay, so at, it's been a while. Okay, I played uh, it when it was on Nintendo or Super NES. Super, yeah, so Super NES. I, I play it regularly. I go back. I, I have it on emulation on my phone. <laughs> I play it on the Pi. I play Chrono Trigger probably once a year. I love. It's like one of my favorite games of all time. That's what I used to so, do with Knights of the Old Republic. I used to play it at least once a year. That's also <laughs> another one that I play on a regular basis. So Chrono Trigger in in the Millennial Fair when you go to fight Gato, who's this like little robot that's mostly used to teach you how to fight. It's like a training robot, but 
you can you can cheat and be a cheap bastard and and do all kinds of stuff using him. But at any rate, the music that plays when he wins sort of reminds me of the music from Legends of the Hidden Temple. I can I can see that, but but on a different speed. Yeah. So uh, let, let's get into the cast. The cast, quote unquote. There's really only two people. Yes. Uh, the first one is the host, the host of the show. His name is Kirk Fogg. He plays himself. He doesn't have a character. It's just Kirk Fogg. He is the host. Now, before we get into anything about him. Before we, before you read the notes, before we watched anything uh, like we did today, what do you think, like in your mind's eye, what do you remember about Kurt Fogg? <laughs> I remember him being kind of a goober. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, so I'm not alone. That's no, what. no. He, he, he was kind of a goober. Um, the way they had him dressed was very much like... Uh, very much like junior a, high summer camp. Yeah, like a tour guide, like a camp counselor type of type type of uh, outfit. Uh, I remember him wearing. I, I think it was like a blue it's a blue denim shirt. Yeah, it was a blue denim shirt with maybe a handkerchief, and yeah. then he was wearing like khaki pants. Uh huh. And then the leather belt. And a leather belt that had like two pouches. One where he held his microphone, and the other one I think he that's where he handed out the the, the tokens, the medals. Actually, uh, side note, uh, all of this information is is in our notes. By the way, there's a ton of stuff that he did. A couple of interviews about two years ago, and there's lots of information out there about the show as a result. But in his pouch, in his satchel, what he kept was chapstick and granola bars. Well, because because the filming for the episodes took forever. And we'll get there too. But Apparently yeah. they were low on craft services. So <laughs> uh, Kirk Fogg, like I said, was the host. And uh, surprisingly, you might not know this, but there was... We can talk about it in a little bit. We're definitely going to talk about it there, there was a made-for-TV movie. Made-for-TV Nickelodeon movie called Legends of the Hidden Temple. It was in 2016. Yes, and I think it was 103 minutes long. Yeah, it's a, it's a short. Not it's, on the notes. I just, yeah, it's it's a short yeah. movie. We actually just watched it. I just watched it for the first time. You I watched just it watched it for like for, the third, fourth time. Yeah, my kid uh, has been requesting to watch it again. Yeah. So. so he actually plays himself, or he plays the character of Kirk Fogg from the the TV show, but he plays it in the movie. I mean, he, he, is, Kirk, he is Kirk Fogg playing Kirk Fogg, but the Kirk Fogg, who was the host of Legends of the Hidden Temple... As he, if he, that was a separate character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he plays that character in the movie as a tour guide who is showing people the the hidden temple. The that, real no, temple. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was the one who uh, would ask the kids... Well, no, he didn't ask the kids questions. He would, he would lead them through... The, uh, the challenges and the trivia and whatever. And yeah. he he sort of had a co-host in the next character, which was Olmec. Who which was, was D. Bradley Baker. Yeah, and Olmec was a giant talking head. He was an Olmec statue. And yeah, he was played by D. Bradley Baker. And now, if you don't know who D. Bradley Baker is, he... Just watch, well, just watch any cartoon that was produced in the last 25 years. I'm going to do a quick read-off. So, Star Wars Clone Wars. He was Captain Rex and Commander Cody. Adventure Time, he's Cinnamon Bun and Mr. Cupcake. He is in Ben 10 as King Coyle. Klaus and Tony on American Dad. That's I think he still has those roles on the show. Mm -hmm. He is Animal in the New Muppet Babies, which I've been watching with my kid and she loves it. Wolfie in Vampirina, another show that I've been watching with my kid. Mark in Miles from Tomorrowland. Rex from Star Wars Rebels. Tala and Nala from Shimmer and Shine. Croc on Jake and the Neverland Pirates, Waddles from Gravity Falls, which I think is the pig. Yes. 
Perry the platypus from Phineas and Ferb. Who doesn't really talk. I know. And <laughs> Appa and Momo uncredited in Avatar The Last Airbender. And I just put those in there because, one, I think it's weird that they're uncredited. And two, I love Avatar The Last Airbender. Well, Appa and and uh, Appa and uh, and Momo, they just sort of make noises. They don't say anything. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so that le- I put that there as a segue into the last bit he apparently is known for an amazing dinosaur impression that kirk would make him do on set in between takes and so they'd have omek doing dinosaur noises you know so you his know dinosaur impression is, is apparently legendary i put a link to a 15 second uh, clip of him doing a dinosaur impression you know what's funny about that is that <laughs> but it's like a, the jurassic park dinosaurs oh, okay yeah. i was gonna say like I know they did that thing in Jurassic Park where they like blew through the skull to make the noise. Yeah. yeah but eh, okay, it's like it's like we don't know what dino skin looks like really and uh, yeah, it turns out it's feathers. Yeah. So that's fine. Um well, let's talk about the production of the show. So the show itself was broken into a couple parts. Like we said at the beginning, you started with six kids, six teams of kids, six teams of two, and the first event was crossing the moat. And they did it in different ways, different times, so it was uh, sometimes they had to paddle across. Sometimes they had to swing to something, and then and then paddle across. Sometimes they had to pull it across on a on a pull their their raft across on a rope, uh, whatever it was. So the first four teams that would get across, they would move on to the next uh, objective, which were the steps of knowledge. Now the steps of knowledge were literally steps that they started at the top of, and I think there was like four or five steps. I can't rem- I can't recall rightly. But there was, there was a number of steps and the Olmec would ask them a question. And if they knew the answer, they would stomp down on a button that was in front of them that was part of the step. And if they got the question right, they would move down to the next step. It was three steps. It was three way. steps. Yeah. Okay, so they'd move down to the next step. So the first two teams out of those four that made it all the way down to the bottom level would then move on to the next round, which were some... They, it was varied uh, uh, physical challenges that would uh, earn them pieces of the medallion, the the Olmec medallion. It was essentially the logo for the show. Exactly, it's Olmec's head embedded into a, into a medallion that was split in half. Yes, yeah, so and so the first the first event, if they won it, they got a half a piece. The second one was another half a piece, and then the third one was a full piece. So. If you were a team that won all of the rounds, you had two medallions. Mm-hmm. If you were a team that only got a half or a one and a half, there was another half of a medallion hidden somewhere inside of the temple. And so if you found it, you could complete it with the other half. What when it, What sort of made that complicated was sometimes... Kids would get one medallion and the other team would get another half and another half. And so they couldn't, the team that won couldn't earn back a whole medallion when they went inside. So they'd get stuck with only one. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you use these medallions for? Well, the medallions were used to essentially allow you to bypass temple guards. Now, temple guards are a feature of the temple where you would enter a room and there might be a person dressed as a a uh, Mezo- Aztec yeah. warrior, Mesoamerican warrior of yeah. some kind, 
hidden in the wall, and he would come out and grab the kids and scare them half to death, by the way. Yeah. Scare them. They were, they were literally hidden. It's not like you could see him when you walk in and you're like, oh, dang it, there's a garden here. No, he would literally bust out of the walls and grab you. Yes. And <laughs> I was reading somewhere that they said something like 15% of the contestants would, would cry. And wet at, themselves. At, well, just cry. And but, pee in the pit of despair. And no, no but things happen in the pit of despair and... Yeah, we'll get there, but the, the kids... Dirty were, things. No, well, yes, I guess. Um, <laughs> not in that way, uh, thankfully. Um, I mean, we don't know. It's possible, but... No, they, they would have to 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 bypass these guards, but about 15% of them would cry and because they were terrified. I read an interview with a girl who was a contestant on the show, and she said that she feels like she's probably in some way permanently traumatized. She can't watch... <laughs> Anything where people jump out. She can't do any scary mazes or anything where things pop out. She's been scared ever since. Well, so maybe she should see a therapist. I would say that that's probably what she should be therapy doing. Therapy does wonders for that. Yeah. Now, now this is the thing because I actually, to be to be 100% honest, I watched clips of the show. I didn't have time. There's been a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, you've had a lot my, of personal stuff. And, uh, and busy, so I, busy boy. Busy, busy boy. So I haven't. I didn't have time to actually sit down and watch full episodes. I watched a lot of. Full I watched. Episodes. I watched clips. It was great. So the <laughs> the uh, the medallions acted as extra lives essentially, so they could yes. get out of the grips of the uh, of the temple guards. Right. If they didn't have a medallion, they would get they would get taken out of the maze. And there was there were two kids, right? So the one kid would go in first, and if they got captured, then the second kid would go in. If both of them got captured, was that game over? Yeah, that okay. was it. Game over. Okay, so that that makes sense. That's it why it didn't happen that often, but it did happen. I watched yeah. one episode where it happened. Usually, what would happen? So only thirty-two teams ever won mm-hmm. the entire thing out of one hundred and twenty episodes. Only thirty-two times did somebody beat the temple. So that means that, I mean, the the numbers were not necessarily in your favor. And most of the time when people would lose, they were losing because they ran the clock out. Yeah, they got have... derpy, they did something wrong, they messed up, they got lost. We should say that there, you had three minutes, which is a long damn time to it go through that It seems like a long time, well, but sometimes it doesn't. Given Given the shows that came before it and around the same time, the last... The last obstacle course, or whatever it is, like in Double Dare, you got 60 seconds to go through eight obstacles. Agrocrag was usually like about a minute. Yeah, and, well, because that one wasn't timed, was it? It was just first to the top. It was first to the top, but if you watch it, at least the way it was edited, it looked like something that happened over a course of about a minute or less. Yeah, and Nick then... Arcade. Was like right? was like 60 seconds yeah. for all three things. So, right. So, uh, three minutes is a long time in terms of what we're used to. I mean, I remember... When I was watching the episode, when I was watching the uh, the 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 temple runs, it you know you're like holy cow, this is like a whole segment of a show. This is a long time. So the host, because the host sort of worried that the kids wouldn't be able to complete the temple run, mm-hmm. and at the beginning of every season and often throughout the season before the day started, he would go do a temple run, and he'd say put three minutes on the clock, and he would actually go do it because he wanted to make sure it was doable. Yeah. So we should mention that when they would when they would record these episodes, they would record five episodes at a time. 
Four to five episodes at a time in one day, which is not uncommon yeah. for game shows. Game shows typically, your game shows like Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, they tend to record a lot. I mean, think about it. It's it's a 30-minute show. At least most game shows are 30-minute shows. And you can record in an eight to ten hour day. You can record a lot of shows, which... Right. I mean, I was saying this before we uh, before we started recording. Imagine being Alex Trebek... And, you know, working an eight to 10 hour day, but only having to work like three days a week. And then you really only have to work a couple months a year and then you're done. Well, I don't think it's just an eight hour day. It's probably closer to a 12 hour day. Yeah, but, but still, still, if you're yeah. working three twelves, I think that's okay. But you do three twelves for uh, three months out of the year. And then and then you're coasting the rest and of the And you time. make millions of dollars a year. I think that's yeah. okay. I mean, I don't think Kurt Fogel made millions of dollars a year. No. But... Fog, Fogel, don't confuse the two. Oh, Kirk Fogg. Fugel saying what? Yeah. No. <laughs> I mix it up my 90s hosts. Yeah, yeah, you so, are. So, yeah, the episodes took a long time. I mean, 18 hours is a long time for anybody to do anything. That's, well, that's, like that's the first episode. Yeah. They didn't all take that amount of time. I think they probably got it down to like a 14 to 16 hour day. But, I mean, a 14 to 16 hour day, that's a long day. So, what I was reading with the host is... That when they would record, they would do like the entire season in three weeks. They would do an entire season in three weeks. And the way that they would do it is they would have six teams of two. That's 12 kids times four or five, depending on the day. Mm -hmm. And so they would do the moat run, which by the way... On TV, only looks like it takes about 30 seconds, but it would take 30 to 40 minutes sometimes for the moat run, and the host, Kurt Fogg, was saying that, that jokingly, they could have just done the moat run and filmed that and put that out as an episode because it took <laughs> so long to watch these kids do the moat run. So the first group of kids would do the moat run, they would reset everything, and then the next group, and then the next group, and then the next group, just like they did for Guts, like what we talked about. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is some of these required a lot of time setup. It's not like where in Guts they had jump off the platform, shoot the arrow, then jump off the platform, throw the ball through the hole, and all they had to do was switch out the targets. Mm -hmm. This was like things with that were messy, completely different challenges. Yeah, a moat, stairs, and then whatever the various physical challenges right. and were. And then when they were doing the, the questionnaire section with the steps of knowledge, before they would go up and do the steps of knowledge, the teams were all given the full story written down for them to read and study before it was read to them by Olmec. Mm -hmm. So they had, you know, an hour or two with the with their story. And and if you're the third or fourth team of the day, you had several hours with your story because yeah. they, it said that sometimes it took up to two hours to set up between segments. Jeez. So, I mean, that's a long-ass day. And then on top of that, by the time you get to the end of the day with the temple run... So, just so that people understand what you're saying, is that you don't have one group of kids that is going through the, the entire, entire game. They're not doing the moat and then the steps of knowledge and then the temple run. The they temple do the games. moat, they hang out, and another team does the moat. Yeah, so, so each group... Is each group of kids for a show, an episode, is doing each segment at a time. So they have the moat set up, you know, show, show it be like show episode ones. one through five. It's going to be episode one does the moat, then episode two does the moat, yeah. episode three does the so moat, and doing, so on. They're doing it that way so that you don't have one group of kids that that goes through the entire show 
And then the next group of kids, they reset everything and they go through the entire show. Each group goes through the segments, say a segment at a time. Right. You know, everyone does the moat and then everyone does the steps of knowledge and then everyone does all five, all four or five groups of 12 kids. Which makes sense from a logistical standpoint. Yeah. But at the same time, that ends up being a long ass day. That is a long day for everybody. Yeah. For anybody. So then by the, by the time they get to the end of the day and it's time for the temple run, they are exhausted because they've been doing physical and memory related challenges all day long and sitting around and waiting so the tedium and boredom hurry up and wait yeah so you've got to hurry up and wait and physical and mental exhaustion Mm -hmm. so no wonder by the time they get pizza comas oh yeah pizza comas because they were fed they were fed like a ton of pizza so they carbo load and then make them (laughs) go do a physical challenge crash Yes, so that's going to lead me into a story that I wanted to relate. Uh, it's Kurt Fogg's favorite story to do with Legends of the Hidden Temple. And apparently there was an episode where this little girl jumped into the Pit of Despair, which is one of the rooms in the in the temple maze. It's a room where you come from stage left or to the viewer's right. Mm-hmm. And they jump out of a hole into a big pit filled with balls, mm-hmm. little foam and, and uh, plastic balls. And then there are two doors that they can possibly go in, one at ball foam level, and then the other is several feet up, up a ladder. So when they leave the temple, they have to go back through it by jumping back into the Pit of Despair again. This girl, when she got into the Pit of Despair, she, I don't know if she got too anxious or maybe it was all the pizza, but she threw up everywhere inside the pit of despair everywhere and so they had to stop recording make sure she was okay clean all the balls out clean all the balls clean the room sanitize everything fill the room back up put her back into the room right before she jumped into the ball pit (laughs) and do a, a jump cut edit so she jumps into the ballroom again and starts the timer from where she was Obviously, she didn't win, uh, but <laughs> but that's like his favorite story to tell is is the kid who puked in the the pit of despair, which is a sort of ironic place to throw up on the yeah. show. Now, speaking of the temple rooms, there is one room that I think anybody who is even remotely familiar with this show, there is a room that everybody knows, and that room is the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. Now, we're gonna put a link to a video at the bottom of the notes and it is a super jump cut of people attempting to complete the silver monkey statue puzzle. Yeah. Now think about what Chris said earlier, just a little bit ago when he said that the temple run is the last thing that they do. Now imagine that you are the last, you're number five of five teams who are running through this temple run and you have been at Nickelodeon Studios for 14, 16, 18 hours? Something like that. You've been there for a long time and you're delirious. You're 11, 12, 13 years old. You're hyped up on pizza. You're, you know, you started the day at 8. It is now 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And if it was an 18 hour day, it's yeah. not 8 o'clock in the morning yeah, anymore. It's, it's late. Yeah. Child labor laws be damned. But so you're in this temple, you're running around, and then you're trying to do a simple puzzle, 
And Which you are should, do you fam- want to describe what that puzzle is? So the Shrine of the Silver Monkey is a puzzle where there's three pieces of this silver monkey that need to be put together on a pedestal. It looks like a monkey sitting on, on a step. Yeah, imagine like the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil monkeys. It's like one of those. You've got one of those, and there is a base that has the feet, and then there's the middle section, and then there is the head that has like a pole that once you put all of them together and push down the head, it'll open up the door that you need to go into the next section. The monkey, by the way, has to be facing towards the audience, but I, I should put yeah. that out there. It is almost a... I don't, I don't even want to call it a trope because it's specific to this show. It's it's like, it, it's a joke almost that when they get to the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, everyone seems to have problems with the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. And it, the fact that there's a six minute, I think six minute video of just junk cuts of people being derpy as hell, failing the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, I think speaks to this. And but I think as a viewer, when you're watching it, I remember as a kid going, turn it around, turn it around. What are you doing? Fix it. You know, you're like screaming. The cast was doing the same thing and screaming to them. They were actually uh, trying to help these kids. Yeah. And so as, as the cast is doing it as, as an audience member or as a, as a viewer, I was absolutely doing it, screaming at the TV, but it makes so much more sense now to know that the reason they were doing that is because they were exhausted and sleep deprived. I probably wouldn't have done any better as a grown ass adult trying to put that thing together if I was on hour 17 of 18 hours and I'm like so I I agree but the puzzle is so simple it is a very simple puzzle like like, it's real simple to the point where you're watching them put it together and you go do you not know what a puzzle is it's you put you put the piece with the cutout up against the piece where the thing's poking out that's how a puzzle goes. Yeah. And then like every time they'd mess it up, they would put the 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 middle down first and then the square base on. It's like, yeah, are you? No, this is ridiculous. Well, Kirk Fogg actually has a quote in uh, in an article about specifically about the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. Where yeah, he says, I put this in here. Where he says, do you know how tired you are by the time you get to the Shrine of the Silver Monkey? You're completely out of gas. You get to the, you get there to this room and the lighting is a little bit funky and you have to find three pieces. I mean the body and the base kind of look the same. So a lot of people try to put the body on first. So you have you have like everything working against you to complete the simple puzzle and yes. then you you wind up looking not smart because yeah. you're trying to put together a very simple puzzle and you are failing spectacularly uh, a lot miraculously, of yeah. And you you are just uh, so I watched I watched this thing with him and he had said that, you know, every, as I mentioned earlier, he would do a full tempo run and Mm -hmm. he'd always be able to complete it. I should add a caveat that, that in one of the interviews, they asked him with or without the tempo guards. And he said, you know, it's the first time anybody's ever asked me that. No, I never had tempo guards when I ran it. So one, Kurt Fogg is a cheater. (laughs) Uh, And two, he said that when he was going through the temple, he said, you know, by the time you get to the end, like, you're pretty gassed. Yeah, he said, you're tired. I was, he goes, I was pretty tired. I was in pretty good shape. And now, at the same time, kids kids are able to do all kinds of things that, that adults can't do. They have they find energy that we can't. But, you know, if, if you'd imagine the physical exhaustion of running and climbing and all this stuff after a 16-hour day of filming television and climbing stuff... And, and here's, it makes sense. Here's the thing that we should mention too. If you don't recall the the temple run at the end, there is a specific treasure that they're looking for that is in a specific room of the temple, and they are going through the temple 
trying to find it. It's essentially a maze. They're trying to get to the specific room that has that treasure. And then once they get it, the game's not over. They actually have to take that treasure and get back out of the temple and bring it back to Olmec or the host or whatever in the allotted time. So it's not a matter of just finding the thing, getting through the temple and finding the thing. It's finding the thing and then remembering how to get back out. Well, the upside to getting back is that once you find the thing, all the doors open, all the puzzles don't need to be completed, all the temple guards disappear, Mm -hmm. and it's just a straight shot. It's literally you just run forward. It's any room you want to go through will get you back to, to the end. Yeah. But if you know the game really well, then it will help you get back faster. I was reading this other thing. I didn't put a link to it in here, but I was reading this other thing with this guy who did the show when he was a kid in like season two or something. And he had said that before he went on the show, when he found out he was going to get to do it, he got a, he paused, he got a VHS and recorded the show off a TV and he would pause it and draw out a map Oh, of man. the temple and then study the re- the the layout because he said you know i know that the rooms might change a little bit but like the really big rooms are still going to be in the same place and so the doors will be in the same place so you know i would study this map and i had it memorized so, so he so watched that, film <laughs> yeah like he studied film and then drew out a map for the temple did it say that he won uh, yeah, he did. He was, oh. I think, one of the kids who won. Okay. Um, I was going to say, it'd be, it'd be great if he got all the way to the end and then, or, or not all the way, it's that he gets on the show, but then he gets eliminated in like round one or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Oopsies. That's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff that you did. That so was... we should maybe mention that the kids were competing for prizes and of course it was the old like, uh, space camp or Bush, Bush Gardens. Gardens. <laughs> and, but they were, the kids that, that would get consolation prizes, it was like Nestle Quick. And, and they were always made fun of, of giving away Nestle Quick. But Kurt Fogg said that the kids actually really like these prizes. They're like, yeah, Nestle Quick. I'm They're always a, excited. I'm going to eat a bunch of uh, chocolate powder in the car on the way home. One of the episodes that I watched, they gave out a copy of the Super Nintendo game, uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men. Uh, I remember the, that game. Yeah, Arcade's Revenge. Yeah. And they gave out a copy of it. And I was like, yes, I love that game. It was so great. Which, by the way, it's actually not all no, that great. No, it's not. It's, um, it's not a I mean, great it's game like at all. I mean, it's like mediocre at best. Yeah. But, but I loved it when it came out. And I, I remember like watching it. And I thought, man, that's unfair. I wish I got prizes like that. Well, you know, we've talked all this time about the... And, and that's basically it about the show. We've talked all this time about the show. Let's talk about the movie that we watched there was a movie that Nickelodeon put out in 2016 called The Legends of the Hidden Temple that pretty much follows the show uh, fairly, fairly, uh, uh, pretty, pretty close. Yeah, fair, fairly. I'm trying to think of the word. It, it follows the show uh, fairly closely and it adds a little flavor, a little, uh, a little seasoning, gives you some backstory of who Olmec is, and Kirk Fogg is in there, like we said, playing himself as a as a tour guide slash just guide of the uh, of the hidden temple uh, that he can't go in because the hidden temple is sealed. Uh, three. It's kids. like in South America somewhere. Yeah, it's in Mexico because that's who the cop is. The cop is in Mexico. Oh, okay. Uh, so the, there's there's three kids that get 
let in to the hidden temple and they have to go through well they sort of break into the temple well they they sort of break into the area where the temple is but then the temple just sort of eats them and lets them in yeah Uh, like a, a a platform drops down and they they literally go through every single thing in the show like all the tropes all the rooms they walk down the steps of knowledge they are named the steps of knowledge. They encounter all the weird animals. So, so all of the, the animal teams. teams, silver snakes, purple parrots, green monkeys, red jaguars, orange iguanas, uh, blue barracudas, like all these teams are all embodied as real animals somewhere inside the temple. And they encounter them in ways that are sometimes really uh, sort of action-oriented and sometimes ways that are sort of comical. Yeah, sometimes gr- ways that are supposed to be action-oriented but are sort of comical. Yeah, Anyways. The, the, green, the green monkey is sort of their companion throughout the whole thing. His name is Mikey. Yeah, and, and one, of the, one of the kids, they're all siblings, and one of the kids, the youngest brother, can apparently speak monkey. And thought, mouse and something else. See, I, yeah. I thought that was a joke at first, but then I, but then like he's actually talking to the monkey, and I thought, okay, this is like Crunk from Emperor's New Groove talking to a chipmunk or a squirrel. Yeah, and I was like, okay, so this is a real thing. This isn't just him being like a little a little kid. This is him yeah. talking to a and, monkey. And like I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, but there's a, there's a lot of things. I was laughing pretty hard. This like like we said, this movie's only an hour and eight minutes long yeah you laughed real hard at there, one point I was laughing really hard at, at but all. sometimes not things that I think you were supposed to laugh no they were they were okay so for or me, maybe they were maybe you were so there's a lot of meta in this movie not only oh, does like a lot of not meta. only does it have Dee Bradley Baker as Olmec uh, a, a really weirdly animated Omek. I almost wish they would have done the old like foam animatronic. Well, thing. by the speaking <laughs> of, maybe there's a reason why they didn't do that because that Omek kept falling apart during the filming, oh. along with a lot of other stuff in the temple. So, That's like if, some, if something broke, they would actually have to stop filming, reset the temple, or reset the event, or whatever, and then have the kid redo it. Oh. But Omek, at one point, the mouth was coming off in an episode. <laughs> and children, Kirk, children. Kirk actually had to stop and be like, uh, Omek's mouth is coming off. And then they had to <laughs> fix it, like, and then do a retake of it. Okay. So. Well, so the Olmec in the movie is all CGI. Yeah. And no, his his eyes aren't made of, of lights from Radio Shack like they were in the original. <laughs> yeah. No, that's real. It was lights from Radio Shack. So, so the, uh, they, had the, uh, they had the steps of knowledge. They had Kirk and Olmec. They did the moat thing where they went across. And that, okay, so the story of the movie is that Olmec... King Olmec it was an Olmec uh, of the tri- of the Olmec tribe, and he was the king, and he had this amulet of power. And that- two sons, one good, one bad, yeah. and he went to pass his kingship onto his good son, and the bad one didn't like it and killed a bunch of people, and then the king uh, he broke, broke the, the amulet. amulet. And then turn everybody into stone. Turn everybody into living stone where they've who that they've been for the last thousand or two thousand or however many years. And then um, when the kids break in, he asks them to break the curse by connecting the two pieces of the of the amulet and putting it back in so that all of his people come back to life. And there are some funny things that happen in this movie. I mean, it's a made-for-TV Nickelodeon movie. You don't expect a whole lot. I mean, it's made for well. I should say that on the outside, it seems like it's made for kids. It's made for kids, but it's also made for their parents because... I feel like it was... Actually, I feel like it was made for parents who now have kids old enough to enjoy it. And they made it specifically for the parents that are like, 
somewhere in the mid-30s. 30 to 45-year-old age range that watched the show when it was on. Exactly, because if you're that age range, you probably have a kid around that around the age that would enjoy this Nickelodeon movie. And it's it's a fairly innocuous if you're if you're just just taking a surface level look at this movie, it's a fairly innocuous kids movie with not a lot of not a lot going on. But holy crap, as as I was watching the movie, the stuff that I was laughing at was literally, so in one of the scenes, they are going across, the kids are running away from the temple guards. Of course, of course the bad guy and his minions are the temple guards who are trying to stop them from going through the temple. And they're going across the moat. And they're on the raft and they're pulling themselves across on the, on the, uh, on the rope. And <laughs> as they go across... One of the guys goes out to swim across one of the guards. There's like a half dozen of them. One of them goes out to, to, to swim after them. And he can only like dog paddle. And he just, boom, he's under the water. He's drowned, apparently. That's what I assumed. Because to the, to the left of them, about a thousand meters, is a big giant waterfall. So he gone. Uh, and then a couple other ones swim out. And this is where you encounter, or this is where they encountered the Well, they did make a joke about, uh, like, oh, you know, we gotta, the, we gotta be on the, the moat. And one of the guards falls in, and they go, oh, uh, they can't swim. And then the guy starts to swim, and they're like, oh, crap, he can swim. Yeah, but this is where we encounter the blue barracudas. And if, if you've ever, if, if, anyone, if any of you out there are fishers, fishermen, fisher people, uh, the blue barracudas are not that big. Barracudas are... are Maybe like two feet, three feet long at most, and they're they're not that big around. They're they're smaller. I mean, they're not small fish, but they're not huge. These barracudas are massive. They're like big giant freaking fish. They're like and, sharks, and they're literally just picking these guys off, like pulling them under the water, grabbing them, eating them. I'm assuming, and then the uh, the the leader, the son, the evil son, he goes and gets on a raft and he starts pulling himself across. And they get all the way across. The kids get all the way across. And then they start shaking the rope to try and get him to like lose his grip. And he does. And then he ends up grabbing onto the rope. So he's like shimmying across it like hand over hand. And then a barracuda just jumps up, grabs him, pulls him into the water. And then he goes over the side of the waterfall. Dead, right? He's totally dead. He fell thousands of feet. And they're all just sitting there laughing. They're like, oh, did you expect that to happen? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh my God, they literally just killed like six guys. And they're just like, good God, good job, sis. We caused the death of a half a dozen people. I know. They like totally process. It was just. It I was mean, a- granted, they're the bad guys. I know, but you're it's, not supposed to care about them. They're it's, a throwaway, it's, but. It's just a funny scene that you have like a 16 year old, a 12 year old, and like a 10 year old who are like, oh, we got away. We just watch like six people die totally normal hey kids do you want to go on vacation and watch half a dozen men get murdered i know where i want i know where i want to go for our next vacation to therapy dad i know that's a line uh, at the end but but it's a altered one she says i know where i want to go on vacation i want to come back here basically yeah because essentially but they should be getting therapy and not yeah what what they end up doing is they end up they end up uh, obviously collecting the two pieces and saving and, the day, and saving the day in the most ridiculous fashion, which I laughed at because at the end, the middle, the middle kid, who's the one who's obsessed with the temple and who knows everything and blah, 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 who, who is wearing a green monkey shirt. He's wearing a green monkey shirt because his younger brother bought it for him. Yeah. And then he is uh, the, the, the game is that once he, 
puts the two pieces back together. He has three minutes to get it back to Olmec so he can unlock the temple. Otherwise, they are going to be there for the rest of it. They're, they're going to be there for eternity. So as soon as he gets the two pieces put together, he's wearing his green monkey shirt and his shorts. He puts his on khaki shorts. His khaki shorts. He puts on a bicycle helmet. and A he yellow stra- bicycle a helmet. A yellow bicycle helmet. He straps on elbow pads and knee pads and he takes off running with the bad guy chasing him. And he is exa- he's dressed as a contestant for uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And he goes through all of the, all of the, the rooms and he winds up, sure enough, at the last second, he puts the he puts the amulet in and the temple opens. And in the meantime, the the, the parents and the police are trying to get the temple open and they can't. Well, and, and Kurt Fogg is like, oh no, there's a magical golden force field around. And, and the everybody, police are like, right. Yeah, everybody, everybody is rightly looking at him like he is an insane person. And he's and he even at some point is like, uh, uh what? Uh, maybe this does sound a little crazy. Which turns out he's totally right. Yeah, but then they get a an explosives expert, quote unquote, who puts like pounds of dynamite at the door and he has a timer on it that he some for some reason sets for three minutes, you know, instead of like a thirty seconds. And, and then they stand ten feet away. Yeah, and and by the way, his clock is the same clock that they used. The uh, the 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 um, they keep font. doing a jump cl- jump cut to the clock. Well, no, the, as the, the kids doing the temple run. Yeah, but the the clock font and the red background on the clock is the exact same clock that they used on the temple um, run in the TV show. In the yeah. TV show, so. so so uh, of course it ha- he gets there right at the end and puts it in the temple opens and then uh, the the guy who the, the at one point the parents are like isn't that going to hurt our kids and he's like no it's like it's just going to blow up the doors and he goes well what if the kids are right by the doors he's like oh well that would be bad then yeah that would be really bad if they were right by the doors so when the bombs go off and they all the explosions get sucked into the temple because uh, the doors are opening and all the magic's happening. At the end, he's like, uh, let's just forget about this whole almost blowing up your kids thing. You know what? Here, no one leaves empty handed. Here's a bunch of tickets to space camp. That that was like the most meta I, moment I, ever. I loved it. I laughed so hard. So all the things that I was laughing at, it wasn't like jokes and stuff in the show because the jokes are all corny family jokes. Maybe it was more like laughing at the fact that they they had the balls to go full meta. I was laughing at all. I was like, this isn't happening. This is ridiculous. I also laughed at the fact that, and I brought it up a number of times and I showed you a picture. I laughed at the fact that their red jaguar was actually a red puma or cougar or no, mountain lion. No, it looked lion. Like, an, like a California mountain lion. It is. They... It's, it's all the same thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, the, it, it was a mountain lion. It was a California mountain lion that they dyed red or CGI'd red. It, like, a... a <laughs> well... A jaguar has spots. A jaguar has spots. So this thing, no spots. But, but this is a show for children, Sean. I know, I know. With magic and and talking statues. So okay. I watched the I watched the movie with Eleanor because she she wanted we're to watch here at the, the house. house. Uh, yeah. So I know that she loved the movie. She yeah, was very she was very it. animated, very animated, yeah. screaming about the snakes, screaming about everything. Uh, did she like the the game show? Oh yeah, no, she was that animated for the game show. <laughs> did she you, loved the show. Did you like the show? Oh hell yeah, I love the show. <laughs> I, and, and I can I just say I actually really like the movie too. The movie is the movie is not the waste of an hour and however many minutes that, that I thought you ex- it was going to be. No, so when I saw it's uh, so the movie is actually up on Amazon. So if you have a, a Prime account, you can watch it for free there. And, and I, th- uh, or maybe it's on Hulu. I think it's, it's on Hulu. H- yeah, it's on Hulu. That's where I watched it from. So the movie's on Hulu. And when I saw it, I was like, a oh, hundred and, what, it's like an hour and three minutes or something? Yeah. I was like, oh man, 
I don't know if I want to watch all of that. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm committed. I'm going to do it. So I watched it and then I finished and I go, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's not great, but you watch it and you're like, okay, the meta stuff makes you laugh and it's not a terrible movie. So here's the thing. The acting isn't bad. It's not the It's a Nickelodeon movie. Yeah, it's a Nickelodeon TV movie. The acting isn't bad. It's not amazing, but it's not bad. It's mostly but, kid actors. But you know what, though? The, the Whoever it was that wrote it... Bravo. Like, bravo. bravo. Like, <laughs> you are obviously a fan of the show when you wrote it. Yeah. Like, the people that did this movie... There were, was a lot of love. There was a lot of love. And and after watching... Going back and re-watching the show, I understand why there was love there. Because the show is good. Yes. It holds up... I, th- I Personally, I feel like... Of the game shows that we watched, it's the best one that we watched. I think it's the best one that Nickelodeon made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I think it's... I can't think of a better kids game show. Yeah. Except for maybe Wild and Crazy Kids. But even but then... One, yeah, that one, even then, there wasn't there wasn't this cohesive, like, storyline and, like, right, this mythos. Had, this had real story and a, a mystery to it. Yeah, this was, this was more intriguing as a kid than Wild and Crazy Kids, which was essentially, like, guts, but without the extreme sports. And, like, a hundred kids or something. Yeah, instead it's, of it's a bunch of, like, pies and all kinds of stuff going big on. Big slides and yeah. all, yeah. But, but the, the, the show, I think, holds up amazingly uh you know it's 20 almost 25 years later uh, i liked i liked going back and rewatching it I mean, it, it is made 25 me years later. it made me happy yeah I, no i'll this just is a, say it made me happy this and watching a, the movie made me happy this is a good show and if you've got the chance there's a couple episodes up on youtube there might even be more check it out it's it's worth going back i'll say the episodes are a little harder to find yeah there are a couple on there are a couple on youtube check out the movie though the movie if you've got if you've got a memory of Can I just say go back, watch an episode on YouTube, and then immediately watch, watch the, the movie. movie. Yeah. That, that'll be an hour and twenty uh, an hour and twenty-five minutes of your time. Yeah, it'll it'll give you a good a good feeling. I don't even know how else to it it, it, it makes you feel like a kid again. It's yeah, great. yeah, no, it totally does. So I definitely would recommend it for yeah, kids. A hundred percent. And I, I wish that they would go back and remake it. I think it would be an awesome thing. You would have parents that would want to watch it. You wouldn't even have to change the format at Hell, all. Hell you know what? You could have a, a parents and kids version. Yeah, a family family legends of the hidden temple. Yeah. Hell no, yeah. I would watch that. Hell yeah. No, that, that that'd be great. Nickelodeon, get on that shit. Yeah, I mean <laughs> the, like Here's the thing that, that I don't understand. The, the show only did 120 episodes, three seasons, and then they canceled it. And Kurt Fogg was super confused why they canceled it. And he didn't, he didn't understand. And when they asked him, you know, when you look back on the show, do you have any, do you have any times that you've, you've reminisced between the ending and now when you, where you've gone, you know, I'm glad that I'm done with that. Or, or do you sort of look at it differently? And he said, oh, no, it was it was like some of the best years of my life. It was an amazing ride. It was so much fun. We had a lot of fun doing the show. The kids all loved it. I had a ton of fun with uh, Deep Bradley Baker. And, and we joked around all the time. And obviously, the impact that was left by by the show on all the fans who come up and approach me all the time. Apparently, uh, he was filming a Arby's commercial a couple <laughs> years ago. He did an Arby's commercial, and a the other actor who was supposed to be in the scene with him, they were filming this commercial, and at some point, he recognized him. 
Mm. As the ho- former host of Legends of the Hidden Temple. And then, like, he, he like he couldn't keep it straight after that. <laughs> he was, like, starstruck by the host of Legends of the Hidden Temple. And he thought, like, that's kind of cool. Like, it wasn't so much starstruck, but it was, like, it's this person that, like, had an impact on my life. Yeah, no, that, you know? like, yeah, I, I, I can feel that. There's, there's some people that if I met from my young life, I would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's you. There is also a... A uh, I put so today's episode has a bunch of links in it. I put the Wikipedia, IMDb for the movie and the show. There's a listicle on BuzzFeed, which I'll be honest is a little bit of a waste because they just copy and pasted stuff from the the AV Club article that I also posted here. Ranker also has a bunch of interesting stuff that you can click on. There's a why can't anyone assemble the shrine of the silver monkey link, and and then somewhere else in the notes I, I also put. Uh, some other things, but but there is a great interview. I'm going to see if I can find it again. I don't I, I don't think I put it in here, but it's a show with Mark Summers and Phil Moore from Nick Arcade and Kirk Fogg, who all did this episode together where they answer questions in this guy's TV show that he films in a garage. Hmm. Like that's the set is is like they're in a garage. And uh, and it's supposed to be a really great interview with the three of them. So cool. Yeah, they even do like a like a Jeopardy style round where Mark Summerson plays the host, <laughs> which is kind of cool. So well, uh, I think that'll probably do it for this episode. Highly recommended. Yes. Get back out there and watch this show. Check out some of the articles. Relive your childhood with this one. Maybe uh, send in some some fan mail on Nickelodeon to get them to remake the show. Yeah, and yeah. if you like this episode, if you want to talk to us about your memories of Legends of the Hidden Temple, uh, you can do that on our, any of our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find links to all of those on our website, childhoodremastered.com. Uh, we want to make sure we thank John Howarth for the use of our intro music. The song is called Nascent. You can check out a link to his SoundCloud on our website, childhoodremastered.com. And uh, yeah, if you haven't already, we'd appreciate if you rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get and consume your your podcast fare. Uh, we we appreciate any reviews that you want. Um, talk to us if you want to leave us a voicemail. We have a phone number on our site. You can you can call in, leave us a voicemail. We'll play you on the air if we get a voicemail, and we'll. And if you don't want to be played on the air, we you, we won't do well, it. But make sure you mention that in the in the yeah. thing. Otherwise, we're going to play you on the air. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, check check it out. Uh, check out all of our old shows that are on the site. Um, and speaking of shows, this is our 99th episode. We have a very special episode coming up next. Our 100th episode. I can't believe we've done a hundred episodes. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. So, uh, But we're, we're, we're there. We did it. We actually recorded the episode a few weeks back. Yeah. Actually, a, a, a bit longer ago than that. Yeah. And and uh, get ready for that because it's actually a pretty good episode. We, we went and recorded it in uh, some friends of the show's uh, real studio we got yeah. to do. That was fun Real life studio. Yeah, instead of uh, at, at home in a bedroom. And so you can go uh, listen to that uh next week and and it's gonna be a lot of fun we got some fun stuff coming up some changes uh good stuff so after after our 100th episode we're gonna go for a little bit to a every other week release schedule just so that we can just so we can deal with some some personal stuff and not logistical stuff logistical stuff and we want to make sure that the release schedule isn't interrupted it's not sporadic we want to make sure that there is a consistent release schedule so for at least a little bit we're gonna go to an every other week 
release. We'll try and put some stuff up uh, non-podcast related on those in the weeks. Interim. In, yeah. in those weeks where there isn't an episode. We get. are going to be recording every week, though. Yes. So what we're trying to do is build up our bank again. If you've been listening since the beginning, and as some of you have been, then you'll know early on in the beginning, we started off with like a 20-episode bank. And we have eaten that away. Yeah. And so uh, those were originally episodes in the bank were used to sort of bridge the gap when we needed a day off and, and or if so we had vacation we had vacation something. yeah because we we both travel you travel for work and i travel abroad and so and so do you and so it, it kind of makes it nice and we're we're just it's just temporary it's not permanent we're gonna keep recording and once we get a, a good enough size bank then we're gonna come back again but keep sending us your requests and and we're gonna be maybe trying to do some other yeah, cool things. Coming I know up we and... I know we've been talking about it, but there are some other things that we want to do that are uh, that are outside and, and away from this particular podcast. Not that we're gonna stop doing this one, but we're gonna add some stuff, add some stuff to the childhood remastered umbrella of of concepts, programming of yeah. programming. We're gonna try and we're gonna try and create an umbrella programming. Uh, for childhood remastered as as sort of a brand, so there there's some other things that we have uh, uh, ideas and thoughts of. If you have any ideas and thoughts, let us know what you think uh, you would enjoy. There's some maybe some stuff with video games, maybe some stuff with some role playing games, some other podcasts, some other podcasts. Yeah. We we've got a lot of ideas, and we're gonna start hashing them out here. Pretty yeah, we, we've soon. got a couple friends of the show as you guys have listened, and and, and the hundredth episode, we've actually become kind of friends with this other show that they, they also do a great job. And uh, on the side note, uh, I, I, you know. Uh, I've actually been uh, sort of interacting quite a bit with uh, with another podcast community, and I may be doing something over there as well. I've been kind of in the works with, and so it's we have a lot of stuff coming. So we're not going anywhere. We just don't want you to freak out. We're just okay? adding. So, we're adding. Yeah, we're adding. Not, sub- not subtracting anything. We're adding. Yeah. So we've been taking some time to add. So that's all. Yeah. So subtracting uh, to add. With that said, <laughs> uh, that'll do it for this episode. And until next time, this is Sean and Chris, and this has been your childhood remastered. We will see you next time. Thank you.